Are you pregnant or a new parent looking to ensure a better postpartum experience? Or are you a birth worker looking to improve your postpartum care skills? Check out Thriving After Birth, an online self-paced course by me, midwife and educator Tanya Tringali. It's 10 and a half hours of video content featuring experts in lactation, mental health, pelvic floor health, pediatric sleep issues. You also get worksheets and a workbook, as well as options to have a one-on-one session with me. Sign up at motherwitmaternity.com slash thriving, and let's improve postpartum care together. Episode number 11 of the Motherwit Podcast. Oh, and a gentle reminder that nothing we discuss on this show should ever be considered medical advice. Please speak to your local provider about anything that comes up in this show that resonates with you and your needs and your health care. On episode number six, I interviewed Jennifer Hunter Marshall about her experience developing preeclampsia in pregnancy with her first and in postpartum with her second. Jennifer talked a lot about her shadow team, the loved ones in her life who were various types of birth workers who she feels contributed to keeping her safe and alive. Today, I'm speaking with Mother Whip Mama and the midwife who cared for her throughout the fourth trimester using the framework that I developed. Side note, each midwife who uses this framework brings with her her own unique specialties and life experiences to the mix. So just as I say, no two clients ever get the same program. This is also true for the provider side of the equation. Had I cared for Tracy, it would have looked different, but we'll never know how. Anyway, Tracy Whitford was a very proactive person about her postpartum care. She signed up for the comprehensive care program in her third trimester. And Cindy Stein, my friend and the midwife who cared for her through the fourth trimester, was an integral part of Tracy's diagnosis and her recovery, both physical and emotional, from preeclampsia. Hypertensive disorders of pregnancy are among the leading causes of maternal mortality but death is largely preventable. My hope with this episode is that I'm able to further illustrate the importance of ongoing close contact between providers and clients. It's a relationship that goes beyond the typical patient provider professional dynamics that we see most commonly today. It's one that relies on trust and a clear and open line of communication. And I believe that has the power to revolutionize postpartum care. Okay, I'm hopping off my soapbox now. So welcome, Tracy and Cindy. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Um, Before we get started, I just want to take a minute and have Tracy and Cindy introduce themselves. So Tracy, tell our audience whatever about yourself you're comfortable sharing. Okay, uh, I'm, uh, well, I was a first-time mom, I I guess still, (laughs) I've only had my son Ozzy, Uh, he was born June 4th of 2020, smack in the middle of the chaotic pandemic, (laughs) Uh, things were very different at that time, Um, and I'm a special ed teacher, and I'm still working, it's kind of cool. I got to work from home, uh, distance learning the first year of Ozzy's life. So that worked out 
actually really well. Um, so yeah, and I'm married to my husband, Jonah, and we love camping and hanging out. And we have our dog, Marty, <laughs> he's a German shepherd. And, and yeah. your, hus your husband's a school teacher too, right? Yeah, we're both uh, teachers. He teaches seventh grade science and I am a special ed uh, elementary school teacher. Awesome. All right, Cindy is a midwife and a friend and um, she has some really unique specialties that I would love it if you would tell our listeners about. Sure, well, yeah, I'm a nurse midwife. I've been practicing since 2001. Um, before that, I was trained as a traditional midwife for a few years, I did home births. Um, and then when I went to school to become a midwife, I also did a dual degree in public health with a subspecialty in forced migration and complex humanitarian disasters. So I worked for many years in a lot of different settings doing um, midwifery in um, community health centers and uh, you know big teaching hospitals, birth centers continued some home birth work. And then in the public health sector, I did humanitarian aid and development, primarily in sub-Saharan Africa and Asia um, while juggling um, children. So I have four, which is a lot <laughs> in retrospect, but they're great. Um, and then I continued to work while also doing a PhD in nursing. My research is in um, respectful maternity care and how it influences maternal health outcomes such as morbidity and mortality in the global setting. Um, so after I finished my PhD, I started teaching. I'm a professor at Cal State Monterey Bay um, and I teach in the nursing program there. Um, and I also recently finished a postgraduate certificate in psychedelic assisted research and therapy um, so I have a small private practice. I work with, um, with women using ketamine in collaboration with um, licensed experienced therapists that do the integration. And we primarily work with women that have treatment resistant depression, postpartum depression and birth trauma, some anxiety, um, and uh, you know, a, few other, a few other things, including relationship stuff. So it's, um, I have a really, busy life and a mixed background, but the core of it is really, it's always been taking care of women and their families. Wow. Um, I'm kind of exhausted just listening to you, <laughs> but I, I love everything you do. And I would love to have you back to talk about some of those things another time. Anytime. Um, thank you. Um, but in the meantime, I would love it if we would bounce back to Tracy. And what I'm really hoping for today is for Tracy to tell her story and for Cindy to be able to kind of chime in as she recalls what it was like to be a care provider in this way. Because I think everybody who listens to this knows that what we're doing here with this comprehensive postpartum care is really different than what most people are getting. Um, it's it's, it's a, a, a true dichotomy going from on one end of the spectrum close to nothing in your care all the way to what we are doing here where we are in touch with people every day, multiple times a day and by multiple means and kind of covering the gamut of what can come up for people. Um, so Tracy, can you start at the point of the story where you recognized your need for additional support through the postpartum period? I think I found out about that through uh, Mommy Labor Nurse. I took uh, online 
course with her program and that was really helpful. I recommend that to anyone. It's very affordable, which I think is awesome because, you know, some people are trying to make, <laughs> to, she makes it accessible to everyone. Uh, at the time, like I said, I gave birth during the pan, you know, the mid beginning part of the pandemic. And I originally, I had a doula set up, uh, a local doula. And at that time, the hospitals were not allowing uh, another support person in the hospitals because everything was just so crazy with COVID and it was all brand new. Um, so it was like, you can only have one person. Obviously, I'm not going to choose having a doula over <laughs> my husband getting to be there and witness the birth of our our son. Um, so that's kind of when I started reaching like, okay, I'm going to have to shift uh, my plan. I've always kind of struggled with anxiety. I'm a total list person, a planner. And so going into this, it being my first child, I wanted to have as much support in place as possible. Um, just because I've never done, you know, this before and I wanted that support. And I got connected with Cindy, which was amazing. I feel like we just like hit it off right off the bat. I feel like we were like instant friends. Um, we have similar, you know, interest uh, hiking and then, yeah, I felt comfortable with Cindy immediately. Um, my pregnancy overall was really easy and I didn't have any morning sickness. I was active, I was healthy. Um, I got to be off like, uh, in my third trimester, I was working from home. So that was great. Um, basically the shit hit the fan. Can I say that? <laughs> uh, when, after I gave birth. So I had a really long labor. I had high blood pressure during my pregnancy, but my numbers were fine throughout the pregnancy. Um, I was on labetalol and it seemed like my blood pressure was being managed um, appropriately and not a big concern until uh, after the birth. <laughs> so uh, I knew that I was going to be induced um, just because of the concern with the high blood pressure. I made it to 39 weeks and Cindy really helped me through the whole induction process. Um, I. It just took a really long time. I think I was in labor or, you know, the induction process for like 78 hours. It was very long, <laughs> but we were trying uh, the less invasive induction forms. Uh, basically, we tried everything under the sun. Uh, things seemed like they were progressing and going well, like my water finally broke on its own. And I was like, yes, something happened on its own. So uh, Ozzy started not doing well. Um, he, he, like his heart rate was dropping or he just wasn't doing well with the contractions. And that's when they were like, okay, I, we've done everything that we can. I think you need a C-section. And they even were, I, at that point, they were like, we could try it. And at that point, I was just like, no, I'm done. Get him out safely, especially once I knew Ozzy wasn't doing well, it was just like a no-brainer. Like, okay, I'm tapping out. I've done everything I can. Just get him here. 
Um, the C-section itself went well. Um, it was after they released me early from the hospital. And uh, I think because of COVID concerns and in hindsight, I really wish I just would have stayed in the hospital because um, once I got home, my blood pressure started spiking. Uh, I had a lot of swelling in my feet. Um, I didn't have swelling in my hands and face, but um, the symptoms were kind of confusing. I just, again, I'm a first time mom. I've never experienced anything like this. I didn't know if it was anxiety, like the hormones dropping, if this was normal or not, but I just didn't feel right. And I actually was in and out of the ER three different times. Um, before they readmitted me. And I think the hardest part of it was at that time, because of COVID concerns, I was readmitted and Ozzy and Jonah couldn't be with me. So being in the hospital three days without them physically there and not being able to have uh, physical support was, was really challenging for me. Can you recount a little bit, and this is where Cindy might end up chiming in as well, um, you know, what was the trigger for returning to the hospital? How did that all go? How much touch were you in with Cindy while you were, you know, postpartum in the hospital, go, when you went home, when you went back? What was going on there and what role did Cindy play in all of that? Um, well, I, I just knew like the first day that I something was off, like the way that I felt, uh, I just felt horrible and the, the swelling. <laughs> and um, yeah, Cindy was so helpful during all of that, that whole process, because that was the most terrifying part is just like trying to navigate it. It was really complex. The first time I went to ER, they like gave me blood pressure medication through an IV. And then they were kind of like back and forth with Kaiser um, saying like, do we need to admit her? And they, they basically sent me home. And then I came home and I felt awful. And, you know, the whole time I'm just like texting with Cindy, like, is this normal? <laughs> um, yeah. And I was like, no, it is not normal. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'll go back and just say that it was a real learning curve, I think, for maternal health, just what was going on with the pandemic. And, um, you know, I had hesitations that I expressed to Tracy from the beginning that under normal circumstances, we would never discharge somebody after having a C-section until day three or sometimes even day four. And so, um, you know, I think everybody was trying to figure out like how to get people out of a setting in the hospital where they could be exposed and with their babies. So, you know, I was really nervous about a day one discharge, especially knowing that she had had blood pressure problems in the pregnancy. And while they were controlled with the labetalol, um, we do know as experienced midwives that one of the riskiest times for people with high blood pressure where it can be superimposed or become preeclampsia is after delivery. And so I, I was like already, okay, red alert, let's keep a real eye on the signs and symptoms of preeclampsia because she's going home. And by the way, Tracy didn't mention, she lives an hour away from the facility where she was delivering. So this was a huge thing in my mind was, here's somebody that's a first time mom that just had abdominal surgery and really doesn't have good medical support. 
and is being sent home. I don't think that's the fault of the facility. I think it was just what was happening during the pandemic was trying to weigh the risk of not exposing people um, to coronavirus. And so we kind of, we were in like very, very close touch. Um, and then particularly as Tracy mentioned, she had pre-existing anxiety. And I knew that from um, when we met, how she said we like immediately bonded. And part of it was, I was like, oh, I recognize a fellow list maker in her. And I really understood what it's like to be in the, as you heard from my intro, I do many things. And the way that people do many things is by being, having extreme organization skills. And so, um, you know, I knew that she had this anxiety and I, I felt like my job was to make sure she got good medical care, to make sure she felt like she was getting good medical care and was safe. And so as soon as she texted me and had these symptoms, I was like, you need to go to the hospital. And so she went, I think at one point, I remember even FaceTiming with the nurse taking care of her just to be like, hey, I'm a friendly face and she does have support and what's going on so that I could understand what was happening and explain it maybe in layperson's terms. Because I know that sometimes, especially if you're admitted to an ICU, which doesn't specialize in maternal health, they might not know exactly how to explain what's happening. Um, the other thing was that when she was readmitted and couldn't have her baby with her, um, she was pumping milk and having someone drive an hour each way to pick up the milk, bring it to her poor husband who is so devastated and worried about his wife while also solo caring for a new baby. I mean, the whole situation was just like, I felt like, okay, I need to just drop everything and take care of this woman, you know? Cindy, did you have contact with Tracy's husband? Like, were you oh, guys yeah. connecting? Oh, okay. oh, yes. oh yeah. Perfect. I was like, this man needs some support and like somebody to ask questions to, but also just like send me pictures of your baby. Let's celebrate a little bit the joy of the fact that you have this healthy baby because it was getting really lost in the shuffle, any normalcy to this experience. And so, you know, I felt like, that was a real gift for me to be able to do that type of care because when you work in a hospital or in a clinic and you are in person, there are a lot of great things you get to do with the in-person connection, but you actually don't really get to do that piece of it. Um, I felt like I was really invited into their, their whole life and not just into an exam room or a hospital room. And so that's where I felt like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is my job that I get to do this type of care. How cool is that? We also, I just got to say about the pumping and the, <laughs> it was my brother-in-law and sister-in-law that were driving to get the milk. And we came up with a, a fake business model for the pandemic called Nips to Lips <laughs> uh, milk delivery service. So... <laughs> because yeah, that was pretty amazing. And it almost felt like at that time too, the nurses were doing us a favor by delivering the milk because at that time people were so concerned about like, you could not have any visitors in the hospital. I didn't get to see them. It just was the kindness of the nurses saying, if I'll, I'll deliver the milk to whoever for your family, which was very sweet. Um, but yeah, it was also stressful pumping now in hindsight. I'm like, oh my God, how did I do that? <laughs> because it was exhausting and 
Yeah. <laughs> Cindy, were you also heavily involved in, I'm assuming, lactation support? And was there a lactation consultant that was involved as well? Or was Cindy like fully wearing that hat? Luckily, I had, uh, I was like an overproducer. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with, um, I had a lactation consultant through Kaiser that I met with. And then um, she, she was great with following up with me. And she actually helped me, like at the time I was just in such survival mode um, that I wasn't even, like the nursing was like the last thing on my mind. I was like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> like I'm just doing it. Um, but she was like, no, you really need to be like proud of yourself. This is amazing that you went through something this crazy and you were still able to get milk to your baby. Like that's insane. I was like, okay, uh, sure. Uh, but now looking back on it, I was like, oh yeah, that was a really stressful time. And the fact that I was um, able to push through that is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was a real gift. I remember because, you know, I had many other clients at the time that also had been discharged early after, even after like normal deliveries and they were doing this early discharge thing. And what we found was so many breastfeeding problems and such a need for lactation support through this platform. Um, because once you left the hospital, all the support groups and other resources that had been previously available because before the pandemic were not happening. And so you only could get lactation support while in the hospital before discharge, but people weren't producing anything beyond colostrum by the time they were discharged. So it was a real gift that Tracy was a good producer. And I thought, oh, good, she deserves. I remember we had a conversation where I was like, okay, with everything you've been through, you deserve like a perfect baby that sleeps through the night and never cries and perfect like lactation stuff. And you kind of, you pretty much did get like a perfect baby and really good milk supply because it was just a challenging time. And it's, it's also, I have to say like, it's so frustrating to um, support somebody from afar with lactation because we can give information and we give advice and we would give articles and we would try to connect them with in-person resources. But there's, you know, it was really like, oh my gosh, helping people with things like positioning and stuff and scheduling it on a, on a Zoom call, you know, but then it was like, oh, but the baby's asleep now. You know, it was like, but we did it. It was just a lot of texting, you know? Um, and it, I think it all worked out for everybody in the end. But I, I think the takeaway lesson was that the combination of a personalized midwife that takes care of you and is available by text or by Zoom in addition to in-person resources is just like the, the best of both worlds. And I would say also the option, because I knew I had anxiety and you know I've been seeing a therapist for a long time prior to that, I actually started using BetterHelp um, in, just because I knew like, okay, I want to have all my bases covered here uh, with my mental health. And Cindy actually really helped in that aspect because my anxiety was just like, I, I didn't know what was going on when I was readmitted. I felt really disassociated um, from my body, especially having a C-section. Um, we got to do a consultation with a mental health specialist and normally that happens like six weeks down the road or something and it was like no the shit hit the fan get her in here now I'm, I'm struggling and I actually did a session um 
in the hospital while I was struggling at the most. And I think that that really helped because, you know, at the time, here I am in the hospital, I don't quite know what's going on. The, I don't know if it was, it was not being relayed to me or I was trying to wrap my head around it. I was like, why is my blood pressure so insane? And how do I get it better? Is there, is it ever going to get better? I remember even being dismissed and not feeling okay still. I just was like, the anxiety was through the roof. And um, I'm just so grateful that I had the support that I did um, to work through it. I think it took about a month or maybe even two for my body to really feel like I was balancing, balancing out again. Um, but it finally started getting better. And I remember having a lot of issues with um, my C-section scar. And I think um, in particular where I was just like, my brain couldn't comprehend. I was like, I had this major surgery. Like, how is it my body okay? <laughs> um, it sounds stupid, but I just, I didn't know. I couldn't wrap my head around it. Like, how am I okay? <laughs> we hope you're enjoying the Mother Wit podcast. If you are, please rate us and leave a review in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Thanks so much. Now, back to the show. It was a lot. I mean, I do, I sort of remember at certain points going into like mama bear midwife mode and being like, okay, I have to balance like, you know, being supportive uh, um, of the care that Tracy's getting in person, but also being like, these are the questions that you need to ask because I don't want you to leave that facility without understanding totally what's going on and then not having a point of contact when you have questions that's specific to the care you're providing, you're getting in person. And I was, I remember just being like, I think that's when I ended up being like, can I talk to your nurse? <laughs> you know, and just like, you know, gathering resources and just being like, no, this is actually not common you're not crazy. This isn't you. This is, you're, it's right to have some anxiety about this because this is like a situation where you need extra care. And so that's when I reached out to the perinatal mental health expert and was just like, let's get control of this before it runs away. And she's isolated at home and really ends up having panic attacks. And, you know, I think that it was just so interesting that the pandemic aligned with like just everything. So you had so many issues and I, you kept just being like, I just feel bad about myself. I can't handle this. And I was like, uh, no, you actually got like extra difficult stuff. And my job was to sort of bring back also, there's regular things happening in postpartum and we have, we still need to give people this information. So in the midst of all of this crazy chaos that you were going through, I would be like, so let's talk about your plan for going back to work one day. Let's talk about, uh, you know, sex and contraception and, you know, future family planning. And, you know, I mean, it was just kind of like, let's try to normalize whatever we can, because I didn't want you to lose the pieces and have everything just be like, okay, let's just talk about like the pathology of things. Let's also talk about the fact that what does it feel like to be a mom? You know, matriescence, the becoming of a mother. I don't want you to miss that, you know? So it was a, it was a really tough time, but I definitely feel like, 
you know, when in your, the course of your career, you always have a few patients that you just really, really connect with and remember. And I was just like, okay, I want to meet this woman in person one day. <laughs> like this is, this is a person I want to actually know. And we did get to be, and it was awesome. It just felt like, uh, yeah, I mean, you were coming through, uh, I live in Southern California and you were coming down to Joshua Tree to go camping and we're kind of on the way. And it was, it was so nice to meet in person um, because especially it's like going through something so intimate and it's, we did it in such a virtual way, but like, it felt like we've been friends forever. Uh, I was so that in person. It was too. So spontaneous. I was with my partner and we were driving down to go camping and I see this sign, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually have a client that lives there. That's awesome. I'm going to message her right now. And I was like, are you home? What are you doing? Uh, Cause I'm, I could be there in like 20 minutes. And so, you know, and my partner was like, yeah, we could actually go that direction. You'll really like it. It's like, it's a little bit longer, but it's a beautiful road. And I was like, let's do it. And so 20 minutes later, we just showed up and, you know, it was just so fun to meet in person. We also totally fell in love with your dog. We still talk about Marty, the German shepherd. We're always like, I wonder how Marty's doing. He's amazing. Um, but what was really neat for me was not just meeting your family and like seeing where you live and getting to spend time with you, but also it was really sweet that my partner got to see just like a little glimpse of what it is I do, what my passion is and what I do for a living. So that was just really like special in, in so many ways. And we, we actually left and we were like, that's kind of a cool town. I wonder if we could there. a good experience. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually won't forget the, the moment that you guys forwarded me the, the photo of you two together. And I was kind of like, what's happening right now? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting too, because um, a lot of people were like, oh, how, how sad you don't get to have a doula. And in for me, it ended up being like, I, I don't think I would have found Cindy at the time uh, had this not happened and I think that the care that I got was uh I mean I tell all my friends that are pregnant I I'm like you should have this because the thing is like having it in place before you know my situation is unique that it didn't it wasn't a straight cut <laughs> you know it was a really complicated birth and and having that support already in place you just can't put a price tag on that like it just gave me so much peace and um I think that I had a traumatizing birth but I'm not traumatized by the experience because of the amount of support that I had already set up and so that's where my over planning <laughs> really paid off um but it's also being you know, finding that connection, there's so many resources out there. Um, it's hard to know, like, what resources you need um, as a patient. Because um, some people, it's hard to know, it's like, okay, are you just profiting off of this? Is this just like, it's, is that a necessary service? 
with this, you don't really know how much you need it until you're in the thick of it. And so having that relationship kind of already established with Cindy before everything got crazy was just so helpful for me. <laughs> and I'll say that I think that, you know, doulas are amazing, but what we're doing here is really different because a doula provides support during the actual birth. And I think that even you had a particularly difficult medical path, but I got to tell you, nobody has a straightforward, easy path with what happens after you give birth. So I think what we're offering here and being a doula are complementary to one another, but discreetly very, very different. And I think, you know, um, the postpartum specific part with someone that also understands the medical management and the evidence-based practice is a really, it's kind of just like a really nice net for people to have where it can be personalized. Like for example, yours really needed to be very specific, but all of the other women I worked with, they all, I mean, nobody was like, I'm good. I don't need your resources. You know, I like just send me some articles. Like everybody really wants the connection and the support that's personalized. And I think that doulas do that for a cross-section in time. Um, but I think that this is sort of something that spans what we call the fourth trimester, you know? And so I think we could all use it. Um, I actually, you know, I wish there was a way that this could be something, you know, and I know Tanya and I have had many conversations about how we can offer this in a format that's more accessible to everyone, whether we do it some of it in groups or if it's like a hybrid of like videos and texts and you know and she's kind of the mastermind about how that might work but I just think it's it's really really important and here's my pitch if anyone in American healthcare is listening it should be covered by insurance yeah yeah I mean I feel like like I said the services I got it really uh for me I almost couldn't put a price tag on it because it, it just it helped me so much during that time and I remember like before like okay I'm gonna save about this amount of money and uh and just plan for it but thinking about you know I I feel fortunate and privileged enough that I'm in a place where I can financially do that this really should be provided to everyone because it is such a challenging transitional time that you need that extra support I'm sure even if you had like the perfect birth if that such a thing even exists <laughs> um just transitioning to that fourth trans um trimester is there's so much you're like juggling <laughs> a ton of different plates um and until you go through it you you really can't prepare for it as someone who tries to prepare and, for everything and the other thing is i'll say is as a mom of four kids it's not like it's it's not like, oh, this is a piece of cake. I've done it before. Every time you have a baby, there's new and different challenges each time. When you go from one to two kids, there's that whole challenge. When you go to two to three, you're like, oh my gosh, we're outnumbered. When you go from three to four, you're like, oh, I, you know, you have all this like self-confidence about it. So then when anything actually doesn't go right, you're like, oh, I don't have this. I thought I would, you know, so I think it's like really valuable even for non-first-time moms um, 
I know with each of my kids, I always tell my clients, you know, with breastfeeding and I've been blessed to not have like a hard time breastfeeding. Um, but you feel like a spaz for the first, you know, four to six weeks every single time. Um, so, you know, just add other kids to the mix that have places they need to be and things they want to do and all the stuff that children need. I feel like I've caught myself recently saying, I can't believe these people need to eat dinner every single day. <laughs> you know that so anyway the support you know I mean I think what we need to what we're doing here is creating a community there's like a latent community out there of people that want to connect and I think people like Tanya are really good at providing the platform for everybody that needs to find each other to find each other and I would also say like on the patient side too like once I found this resource um you know the way that it's set up I actually met with Tanya to have her go over my medical records. Um, because again, I like, I knew what happened to me kind of, but still in the back of my head, I was questioning like, was this just anxiety? Was this panic disorder? Cause I do have generalized anxiety. And I definitely think that I was having panic attacks during that period. And so I'm like, this how much of this is anxiety and how much of this is like legit preeclampsia and I still have a hard time with that even though it's been explained to me um but that process sitting down with Tanya and having her go through my medical records and my whole birthing process seeing all the medical notes that was really uh healing for me to kind of zoom out a little bit um it was I don't know, maybe six months away from the birth and just getting some closure on some of those things. Like, no, I did have really good care through Kaiser. Um, the people that I came in contact with, they were listening to me. Um, I think there's a lot of negative uh, opinions about induction and being able to meet with people that have more of a medical background, it just brought me a lot of relief. Cause you know, you get on some of the mommy boards and they're like, don't do an induction. It's like, well, there's dangers for not being induced. Like, of course I would love to go into a birth naturally and have this like magical birth, but like, that's not in the cards for me and that's okay. Um, so having peace about my induction and knowing that that's what I needed for me and my situation, I felt like I was going into it with as much knowledge as I could. And that really helped me with the healing process. And yeah, I, I had a C-section, even that there's sadly shame surrounding having a C-section. It was like, I did what I had to do to get my son here safely and that's what it entailed and now I don't have any shame around that and I think that that's partially because of the support I got some people have a lot of shame mm -hmm. around their c-sections and I don't I can sit here and say I just don't because I knew that I I did everything that I could <laughs> and it's still legitimate so yeah, yeah it, I just feel really grateful to have the support. 
Yeah, I think that that's, that's the benefit of having certified nurse midwives doing this is that we can provide, you know, a lot of some of the supportive pieces and the companionship and pointing people towards research sources and, and educating about the birth process. But we also can understand and explain current medical practice, evidence-based practice. And for a case like yours, it can be really important to understand the process of what happened. So when you look at medical records, having a midwife explain the perspective of why decisions were made medically so that people can feel good about the care they got, or alternately, feel like these are the questions that I need to go in and ask the person that took care of me because I wanna know why that decision was made because the standard of care actually is different. And so it's not just part of the healing process for people that have a traumatic birth, it's also the prevention of ruminating thoughts that can later become postpartum depression and anxiety or in planning for another pregnancy down the line, you do that work so then when you get to that process, you can go into it sort of clean slate and also more armed with information about choosing the best care provider for you, the best place to have your baby and really just empower women. And this is what midwives do. We sort of live on the intersection of biomedical science and evidence-based practice based on research with intuition and other forms of knowledge that are like, just as valid, such as what is it that the woman wants and what works best with her particular life, rather than just what would the medical provider prefer that they do. And I agree that the mommy blogs and on online forums can be really confusing. And part of the reason is because when people don't have support and have had a negative experience, the internet can become an outlet for them to really um, sort of express that. Um, and it can it can really have a bias inherent to it. And so I think having, you know, a good team, it's not just the midwife, but a good team of like mental health experts, lactation support, you know, pelvic floor experts that are in a network that can work together to serve women. It can it can not just like work for the the baby and the birth that you've reached out to us for, but future experiences down the line. And that's what we're aiming for here is like wellness. We want people on this planet to feel good. It's like the only thing that's going to heal the world, right? And and that was part of the reason why I uh, reached out to Tanya because, you know, I was thinking I'm, I'm 30, I'm going to be 37. So I'm, I do have Aussie and, you know, I got to start thinking like, okay, I'm reaching 40. Do I want to have another child? And having someone kind of go over like that, you know, the first pregnancy and like, okay, what are the odds that this could happen again? And is that something that I want to? So, so are you having another, are you gonna have another baby? No, I think, I think that for us, I'm feeling good about uh, being one and done. Um, and being okay with that. Like there's so much yeah. pressure to uh, have multiples. And, you know, for me, that experience was really scary. And, you know, part of me is like, well, am I just being too scared to do this again? Um, but another part of me, and I'm just so honestly content with, <laughs> with Ozzy 
Oh, I see the Instagram pictures and I'm like, they are living their best life. You're like all over the planet in beautiful landscapes with that baby in a backpack. And I'm just like, they're doing the whole thing right. Like this. Yeah, we went to Alaska for Ozzy's first birthday and uh, Jonah, my husband actually did a search and rescue patrol on Denali. Um, and that was an interesting experience too. We, uh, he was gone for a month when Ozzy was 11 months old and uh, my mom and me and Ozzy met Jonah when he got off of the mountain um, in Talkeetna, Alaska and spent his first birthday there. So yeah, we're having so much fun being with him and, you know, getting through all that crazy <laughs> postpartum period and being able to yeah, I just am really content and happy. And I'm sure if I had another child, I'd be uh, equally as stoked. But for me, because of my age and with the preeclampsia, um, I, I just, I don't, and the anxiety, I don't know. I feel like if I got pregnant again, that my anxiety would just be like, I'd be like just waiting for preeclampsia to show up. Um, uh, but I did talk to Tanya about like, okay, what would we do differently knowing that I've had preeclampsia? So that helps me go into it, making an informed decision rather than I can honestly say my decision to only have one child is not fear-based, um, which that's great. I think is important. <laughs> Definitely. That's great. Well, I mean, it was nice that you brought all of that up and really took this whole story completely full circle because as we wrapped up those couple of sessions where we were really digging deep through what happened in your experience with some distance, right? Um, you know, we certainly didn't end those discussions, you knowing where you were going to land or me knowing what you decided. So I'm getting an update too right now, which is so nice. And um, I, I love the way in which you decided for yourself when you were ready for more information, when you needed to take that deep dive in relation to everything you went through and then sat with the information. And, you know, again, I didn't just so for our listeners sake, I know you know this, I certainly didn't come at you with a clear cut answer. There isn't a clear cut answer. We went through all the what ifs and what it maybe should look like based on the various decisions that you could make. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm so thrilled to hear where you've landed and that you've landed, I think, in a peaceful place with this. Yeah, and you know, the thing is with family planning, we all know that things don't always turn out. Like I could sit here and say I'm one and done and whoops, like a month, a month later, it could be a totally different story. But knowing that I have the tools, it, to get through another pregnancy, I, even though the anxiety would be challenging and there's a whole other set of, you know, it's different every time. And just having that toolkit, it, it just is, you can't put a price on it. You really can't. <laughs> and you know that Cindy and I and all midwives enjoy helping people not get pregnant when that's their goal. Just as much as we help people get pregnant and have happy births and all of that stuff. So should other questions yeah. arise, you know where to yeah. find both of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we <laughs> 
we do what we need to do there. <laughs> listen, I have to say, um, it has been such a pleasure to just sit back and listen to another midwife and another client share their story while I just like sit back and take it in and listen. Um, it's been really nice to go back in time and look at the ways that this program has supported so many people and the way it's evolving so that we can continue to do it um, through various means. And I'm getting feedback that um, is changing the program for sure, but at its core, it's still very much what you, what you got. And it was so, um, well, I guess the best way to say it is you guys both kind of filled my battery a little bit in listening to you share this story because it's a dramatic story. It was a scary time. And yet with a year and a half or so, I think it is behind you, you exude such confidence and peace and you're able to talk about it in a way that I feel, I feel good about the care that was provided to you um, and the format in which it was provided to you. And I'm just, I'm so happy for you and your experience. And I thank you both so much for your openness and willingness to share. Yeah, absolutely. And Tanya, can you believe this is our job? We get to do this. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it makes all the crappy other jobs, not, not that I've had all crappy jobs, but there's been a couple in there that have, not, that have been really rough. Um, it just makes it so delightful to get to you know, just work with these women and really just enjoy their success. You know, it's just really neat that we get to do this. It is. And I, you know, I don't get burnt out anymore on the same things. I get burnt out on the entrepreneurial side of the equation for sure. Um, yeah. That's a different burden. Um, and I realize, you know, you take off one hat and you put on another and you get new, new good things and new bad things. And it is what it is. But um, the patient care piece is just, it, it in and of itself fills my battery almost every day. Uh, yes. it's, it's been so wonderful. Oh my goodness. Okay, I know that Tracy has students to teach and I know that Cindy has a patient to go see. So we've all been watching the clock very carefully. Um, I'm gonna wrap up with you guys now so that you can get on with your days. Um, and again, I'm so grateful to you guys for sharing and joining me today. Many yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, putting this together. It's just like hanging out. We should do this more. Oh yeah. Well, I'm going to yeah. have you back. I really, there are some other things I really want you to talk about. <laughs> Definitely. And Tracy, um, we've been talking about another trip down South to go camping. So we, yeah, well, please do. We actually have a friend that owns property right outside of Joshua Tree. So if you're uh, wanting Joshua yeah, well, you're 100% always on our stop list when we're going to okay. stop. You're like, cool, like if we go, we get to go there. But yeah, we'll be in touch. Hit us up. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's me, Tanya, your host here at the Mother Whip Podcast. You know I sometimes invite my clients on the show to talk about their birth stories and postpartum experiences, but I want to tell you a little bit more about what those clients and I actually do together. I started Motherwit to help people in the perinatal period achieve their health and wellness goals. That means whether you're hoping to conceive and struggling with high blood pressure or high blood sugar, or you're having trouble managing anxiety or depression in the postpartum period, or maybe you just need support and advocacy between prenatal or postpartum visits, I can help. Get a discount on your first consultation with me at motherwitmaternity.com using the code FIRSTCONSULT10% OFF. That's one zero percent symbol, all one word. 
I'm looking forward to working with you and maybe having you on the show too. 